This podcast contains spoilers, explicit language, and is not meant for anyone younger than 13. Do not harass any of the names mentioned in this episode. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to John vs. Film, and today... We are going to be talking about Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And spoilers, spoilers, like major spoilers come out from this movie. I mean, I've you know said spoilers so many times, but yeah, go see this movie, then come back. So, anyways, here's how we roll in this podcast. So I talk about five things I like, then I go into talk about five things I dislike or I have some criticisms with, and then wrap it all up with overall thoughts. And for that, I'm just going to really, you know, be going through this quick, you know, I'm not going to be staying too long, but yeah. And also, as a disclaimer, I am going to reference last week's episode, Sonic the Hedgehog 2020. You know, because that is going to go into my first like for this. So, yeah, make sure to check out my previous episode. But anyway, let's get started. So, first, what I like is that it improves on... Oh, by the way, wait, 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 wait. I also forgot to mention Sonic the Hedgehog 2. It was directed by Jeff Fowler. And it was written by Pat Casey, Josh Miller... And John Winnington. So yeah, anyway, I forgot to do that. I usually do it before I go into all my stuff. But yeah, anyway, now for real. So the first thing I like was that it improves and recontextualizes on the first movie. Essentially, you know, it has fixed, you know, some of the problems I had with the first, you know, essentially, but also someone has improved the first so yeah anyway i'm definitely going to spoilers for this talk so like first of all you know one of the issues is that i had was you know kind of robotics you know machines still you know like kind of feeling all drone like and samey in here while we still got that, we get more creative stuff and we get more from the games. Like, we got the uh, Wasp ones, you know, the little bee ones. They still have that drone-like aesthetic. Um, but it's nice to see an enemy, you know, brought in from the games like that. We also got the classic, you know, Eggman's, you know, flying hovercraft thing. You know, what is that even called? Uh, Eggman... Uh, pod? Is it a pod? What is it? The Eggmobile. Okay. Yeah, so we got, like, a more traditional-looking Eggmobile. Like, the first... The one in the first movie, that was more like air... You know, looked more like a spaceship. You know, drone stuff. But here, you know, it's more classic, you know, Eggman, you know, all that. We also have, you know... The Death Egg robot that shows up in the final act. 
you know, that was really good. And I, what I love for that one, especially is that it embraced the cartoonish, cartoonish, you know, this of the Robotnik machines. Um, but yeah, because it had, you know, Dr. Eggman's or Dr. Robotnik's, you know, face, you know, face on it, you know, all that. It looked like the death egg. It didn't look drone like version of the death egg. So I really love that. Um, it also, you know, like one of the issues I have with the last movie was that I felt the rivalry was between the cop and Dr. Robotnik and not Dr. Robotnik and Sonic. Here, though, that is not the case. You definitely get the sense that Sonic has been... Like, in this movie, they even mentioned that Sonic is on Dr. Robotnik's mind 24-7. And, <laughs> yeah, there's a little joke. Uh, you know, the humor, you know, was definitely, was, you know, probably just as good in this movie as it was in the last movie. But, yeah. It, uh, you know, Knuckles says, you know, the groin is the weakest, you know, is the weak point, is the most common weak point. And then Sonic says, I'm the groin. I'm his groin. He thinks of me 24-7. I live rent-free in this guy's head. You know, so, yeah, you know, we get more banter between Robotnik and Sonic. And you definitely get this sense, you know, that there is more of a rivalry between these two. And that Robotnik is specifically going after Sonic in this one. Well, actually, more specifically, he is going after a master, the Master Emerald, but his hatred is more towards Sonic. Uh, and I think they handle it in a good way because he blames Sonic for sending him to the Mushroom Planet. In fact, uh, even though he mentions, you know, Donut Lord, Donut Lord's wife and the dog, they were kind of like more afterthoughts. In fact, you know... He, Donut Lord and you know, Robotnik, they have a meeting in the final act after Robotnik has absorbed a Master Emerald. And Robotnik didn't even bother to remember that he was called Donut Lord. He was Pastry King. Yeah, his hatred from the get-go was, you know, more focused on Sonic. You know, because we see him, you know, marooned, you know, on the Mushroom Planet. Now he's trying to make coffee through mushrooms and he has a little sonic doll that he made that he ends up you know destroying <laughs> and this you know Rube Goldberg machine like get up but yeah it, that was you know definitely a good thing there um and there's a couple other improvements like the locations you know there's like a more variety in the locations in this movie, I feel like, or it referenced more of the games and just like, oh, it's taking place in U.S. Highway, Minnesota, over in San Francisco. And yeah, they had that little globe trotting fight, you know, but it's just like, eh, it, it didn't feel like it, you know, was actually from Sonic games. It was just like, oh yeah, globe trotting adventure, woo. But here, that's not the case, you know. There's actually a couple of zones references, you know, in this movie. And that aren't just, you know, brief appearances like Green Hill Zone was. 
No, like, uh, you know, forgive me, I haven't played, you know, a lot of Sonic and Sonic 3 and Knuckles, but there's this, uh, Ice Zone, I'm gonna look it up right now, Ice, Ice Cap Zone. Yeah, so, it was, uh, thanks to Channel Pup, you know, that, you know, it was mentioned that, oh yeah, you know, this looks a lot like Ice Cap Zone, especially with the snowboarding scene, you know, so that was great. And that was taking place in Siberia, but there's like this little forest um, thing going on. Not forest, a fortress thing going on. Um, I'm sorry, I keep saying um. I, I only see this movie once, so yeah, I have to record it like literally right the morning after I saw it. So I'm trying to remember everything. But yeah, you know, you got that little fortress. Yeah, it has the map to the Master Emerald, you know, which is on Earth. But the one zone that I definitely got reference to was, you know, Labyrinth Zone. That was amazing. You know, uh, that was really, you know, cool to see Labyrinth Zone be referenced. And it was like definitely a important point of the movie and that they stayed folk you know stayed in that location for i say a significant time like just enough time you know where it was like longer than green hill zone was i'll get more to the more fan service you know stuff in a little bit but yeah i gotta get into the what it does to recontextualize the first movie so this movie, as you should know, brings in Knuckles, and in the first movie, it was, you know, the Echidnas were the ones that, were, you know, attacked Sonic and his adoptive, you know, guardian, uh, long, I'm trying to shoot, you know, Owl Lady, <laughs> the giant owl, uh, shoot, um, hang on, let me, I gotta look her up. I'm sorry. I'm a horrible podcast host. I know. Uh, Sonic Owl. Longclaw. There we go. Longclaw. Yeah, so in the first movie, we know the Echidnas attack Longclaw and Sonic, and Longclaw, you know, sent Sonic to Earth, you know, for his safety. You know, that was the first movie. But here, you know, and we all thought that the echidnas were after Sonic. That was not the case. It was, you know, revealed that, you know, Sonic was really not what the echidnas were after for. Because Longclaw had in her possession the map to the Master Emerald. So the echidnas were after, you know, like, uh, after Longclaw, essentially, they were never after Sonic's powers, which was, you know, that made it, you know, like, whoa, whoa, you know, really? And apparently the reason Longclaw sent Sonic to Earth was to protect the Master Emerald. Yeah, so, like, it definitely, like, def maybe it's a little bit of a retcon, but I think it's more of a, oh, shit. You know, kind of a realization that 
it was never about Sonic's powers in the first movie. So I love it when sequels do that, when they kind of shine light to something where, you know, kind of a subvert of, you know, we thought it was one thing, but in reality, it wasn't. And it actually makes sense because Sonic was a little kid when this happened. So, you know, it was, you know, definitely in his perception you know, and we were seeing it through his, you know, eyes that that's what it's, you know, felt like. It was because he was running around. He led the echidnas right to long cause and the reason why he lost his, you know, parent, essentially. Uh, but, yeah, and also makes it more of a... What I really love is that, you know, from the first movie, you get the sense that the echidnas were bad guys. You know, it's like, oh, how dare they? come after Sonic, but this movie kind of reveals there was like two sides to the story, you know. It's a lot more layered than like, damn, this kid's movie, for a kid's movie, they got pretty layered, you know, and definitely blurred the line, you know, which made you think, you know, you could see where both sides were coming from, because the thing is with the Echidnas, they were after the Master Emerald, but it was because it was, you know, the, they were the one, you know, the Echidna race was the ones to create it. And they believed that they need the Master Emerald to keep order in the you know, galaxy or the universe or whatever. You know, that was their belief. Meanwhile, Longclaw and the Owls, they, you know, believed that no one race or creature should have control over the Master Emerald. And hence... Or, you know, why there was a battle between the owls and the echidnas. And unfortunately, that battle left Sonic and Knuckles as orphans. Um, but yeah, you know, an echidna, you know, Knuckles, the echidna, he's after the Master Emerald, you know, as to kind of restore, you know, like to finish his tribe's, you know, mission. You know, and you get a sense that it's like, it's not so black and white. The echidnas are not evil, you know, and I just think, damn, that's really cool what they did with the story in that. Uh, I probably talked a bit too much on that first point, so I'm going to go on to my next point, which is that um, this is kind of like from a little bit from the first point, but it's this is more of like a kind of specific point, and that is this movie is more focused on Sonic and makes it feel like this movie, like it is his movie. So in the last movie, you know, Sonic was sharing the screen with Tom, Sheriff Tom, the Donut Lord. You know, and it felt like it was, you know, Sonic and. Tom's movie, you know, because Tom had his own story. And but the problem was, you know, we didn't really care too much for Tom. And while Tom, you know, and his, you know, the human characters from the first movie, they do return. It's uh they don't get as much screen time as the first movie. Um and that's a good thing. Although I will say I wish there was a little less screen time with these, but I'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, anyway, 
you know, this movie, though, it's really focused on Sonic and like you get a sense that he's on screen more than Tom was. Sonic is the main character of this movie. Sonic has the conflict. Sonic, you know, like this is Sonic's movie. This is focused on Sonic. It gives Sonic character development. In fact, it explores Sonic's relationship with Knuckles, you know, it develops that relationship, you know, because again, the whole Kidna's killing Longclaw, and we find out later that the tribe didn't survive either, and leaving Knuckles orphans, so, you know, and all that. I really love that aspect of this movie, that it's like, this is Sonic's movie. Sonic has a journey that he has to progress, and keeping a focus on Sonic was definitely in this movie's strength, and is an improvement from the last movie. Uh, going to my third point, I mentioned this on my first point, is that, you know, about the fan service. So, but in reality, this is, that is, was bringing more and embracing more of the source material into, you know, this universe to the movie's world. You know, I mentioned, you know, Ice Cap Zone and Labyrinth Zone, but it's not, and the death, you know, Egg Robot. That's not all it does to bring it forward, you know. Like you got the lore with the Master Emerald and it, with the Chaos Emeralds. A uh, spoiler. No, you know what? I'll get that one spoiler to myself, but just in case you haven't seen the movie, uh, even though I told you to go away until you've seen the movie, but uh, this is like Endgame spoilers. Uh, you know, screw it. I'm going to talk about it. You've been warned. You've been warned so many times. So I'm just going to say it right now. Last chance to click off. Okay. Yeah, the, they brought Supersonic into mix. That was really cool. Like, here's the thing. From the trailers, I didn't think they would bring, you know, Supersonic in. But in the movie, I got the sense that, okay, they're going to have Supersonic in the movie. You know, after it was revealed that the Master Emerald can, like, you know, has this power to bring thoughts into reality. That's how Robotnik, you know, gets to be, you know, to create the Death Egg in the first place. Because he can, you know, uses the Master Emerald. Um, what happens, though, you know... That's why I thought, you know, Sonic was going to use the Master Emerald to become Super Sonic, which is different from the games. However, that's not the case. What happens is the Master Emerald breaks apart and reveals the Chaos Emeralds. And it's through the seven Chaos Emeralds that Sonic becomes Super Sonic. That's fucking dope. Right there. Like, I love to see that. And plus, you got, you know, references to Sonic Throughout, you know, just the Sonic franchise, like, the manual for the Death Egg that Agent Stone holds, it, it's it's a Sonic, it's a Sega Genesis manual. <laughs> that that was pretty funny. Um, But speaking of Agent Stone, while Robotnik was stuck on Mushroom World, you know, what Agent Stone was doing was that he was running... A cafe in Green Hills, 
And that cafe was called Mean Beans. And it was also had a bunch of, you know, was a secret Robotnik base that was built in preparation for Robotnik's return. Which also makes me believe that Robotnik had a plan, you know, had a contingency plan of in case, you know, he something happened between his involvement with the government and all that. But anyway, the point is they reference Robotnik's mean bean machine in this movie. That's awesome. Uh, they also give Sonic a mohawk. You know, that was, you know, out of a reference to the, you know, when Sonic was first coming out in the 90s that, you know, the U.S. design was different than the Japanese design because the U.S., they gave Sonic a mohawk. You know, and albeit the mohawk was not on screen for long, and thank God, but it was still a neat reference. Sonic was also doing, like, some iconic poses um, on a little, like, you know, hologram. Sonic is doing that impatient, you know, like, tapping his foot, waiting for the player to do something. That was a neat little reference. Uh, there's references to Sonic Adventure. Now, like, uh, I know the city, you know, that could have been a reference, but there's more direct reference, so... Um, the kid, I'm going to look it up. It's, uh, the temple from Sonic Adventure. I'm going to... The Mystic Ruins. Yeah, so, like, in the flashback to Knuckles, you know, backstory, when his, you know, father told Knuckles to stay behind, you know, we get a brief look, you know, at a temple in this background, and it looks like the temple, or at least very close to the temple that was used in uh, the Mystic Ruins of Sonic Adventure. That was pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, you know, and just, they also embrace more of like a cartoonish nature when it comes to, you know, from the Sonic franchise. Um, you know, so that, that was very nice to see. I've loved that they're embracing more of the cartoonishness. They're not like, they're kind of, they're moving away from having to be realistic to just fully embracing, you know, Sonic. They're going in the right direction with that. And of course there, there was one, you know, big, you know, plot relevant, you know, thing that happened was that. Sonic 2 brought in or established GUN, Guardian Units of Nations, aka GUN. Yeah, they actually brought in, you know, GUN into Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the movie. Uh, here's the thing I haven't seen some, you know, I haven't played. A lot of Sonic Adventure 2, so I don't know much about Gun myself, but I do know that it was an organization, you know, in the Sonic franchise. And yeah, anyway, that was, you know, really cool. And, ha and that has, you know, plot significance, you know, and was a result from events that happened in the first movie. So, yeah. Uh,. 
This next point I'm going to talk about is the action. I thought that this movie had a lot more action, but it also it was better action. Like the action we got was good in the first movie, but the action here is I thought was definitely better. You know, again, it's part of you know just embracing Sonic. You know, and I feel like we get to see more Sonic's powers. Of course, we get to see Super Sonic. We get to see Tails in action. We get to see the... God, I'm sorry. I keep having to look... Uh... You know, names up. I'm horrible with names. Uh, airplane. What was the airplane? Not... I'm using Google. I type in Sonic Airplane. And it's just like, look, here's a Sonic Airplane. No, I meant... Sonic the Hedgehog airplane. What's that called? You know, Sonic's plane called the tornado. Yeah, it brings in the tornado. You know, we get some action with that. You know, we get to see Knuckles use his power. We get to see Knuckles climb. We get to see Knuckles in Sonic fight. We get to see Sonic in robotic fight. It's all good. Also, by the way, I love, you know, seeing Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles, you know, teaming up uh, at the end. But and for me, I grew up with Sonic Heroes. <laughs> I know that's not a very popular game, but it's my childhood game. So I love kind of just that team up seeing that like, yeah, Sonic Heroes. Woo. Um So yeah, that was, you know, really cool. Uh, and my last point that I'm going to talk about for my likes is Knuckles and Tails. Tails with an asterisk. You know, we'll get into Tails a bit more later in the episode, but I, I will start with Tails. They did a great job with Tails in this movie, you know, having this, you know, and portraying the, you know, little kid, you know, Looking up to Sonic, being Sonic's biggest fan, you know, for, you know, just being Sonic's little buddy. You know, this was definitely Tales from the Games. No questions or doubt from about it. And the fact that they actually brought in the voice actress of Tales from the Games for the movie, that was a really good call. You know, and... Yeah, let me look it up. You know, Colleen. I'm not going to try to butcher her last name. So, uh, yeah, Colleen, you know, she has voiced, you know, Tails and multiple Sonic games from the past. And she does a fantastic job here and is able to show a range of emotions through, you know, in Tails. And yeah, you know, we. And Tails is done very respectfully, you know. They understand that Tails is the gadget kid, you know, that wants to help Sonic. And there is a little, you know, kind of like arc with Tails, you know, overcoming his, you know, confidence. But also, you know, it's nice seeing, you know, Sonic and Tails team up and having the dynamic of, you know, Sonic and Tails, you know, with Tails following Sonic and all that that was good they did a really fantastic job with tails um 
But the real standout out of the two was definitely Knuckles. Now, Knuckles was voiced by Idris Elba. And, my God, Knuckles is fantastic. So, in recent years, Knuckles has kind of become more of a blockhead. And there is definitely some of that, you know, here, you know, where he's still kind of a a big old blockhead, you know. But they actually went back to more of a, he's a proud, on, you know, honorable warrior type, you know, character from the beginning of, you know, Sonic's, you know, like beginning of his, you know, inception in the games and early media where Knuckles was not just, oh, he's the big doofus muscle guy. No, there's, you know, he's complex. But yeah, I will say Knuckles is also the funniest character here. You know, uh, yeah. Or one of, you know, maybe Jim Carrey's Robotnik has him beat up, but I will say Knuckles had me laughing, you know, because there's a scene in the movie where Robotnik has, you know, intercepted, you know, Sonic and Tom texting each other because in the movie Tom's in Hawaii for a wedding and all that. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, so. They're seeing the text, and Knuckles is reading the text out loud, you know. And, and you know, there's that little dot, you know, three dots, you know, that shows the person's typing, and Knuckles just keeps saying dot 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 dot. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's that. Or of you know, Knuckles is pretty gullible. But at the same time, you know, Knuckles has his own code. And he also kind of, like, knew that something was up with, you know, Robotnik. But just going to place his finger, you know, or Knuckles in this case on it. So, yeah, you know, there. And again, you know, I mentioned, you know, the Echidnas, you know, and Owls, you know, their long battle. But. It also shows, you know, there's a bit of complexity, you know, because Knuckles, you know, he was in a similar situation with Sonic because that day he lost his family, just like Sonic lost his. Unfortunately, Knuckles didn't have another family to go to. He he was left alone. Um, But it also makes, he's he allows us to see the other side of the conflict. You know, he allows us to see... That, you know, what it was like that the Echidnas were, weren't just the bad guys, you know. And that, again, you know, he brings up that argument that all they wanted with the Master Emerald is to, you know, restore order or protect the order from the universe. And they can't do that without the Master Emerald. You know, it's part of the other tribe and whatever. You know. Yeah, so... They do a good job of, like, Knuckles is, like, funny, but he's also, he's not all jokes, you know, and there is some new ones to him. And also some very intimidating moments, like, do I look like I need your power? Or the fact that he stops Sonic, you know, falling mid-air, mid, like, yeah, mid-air with his hand and walking forward from the trails. That was really cool. So yeah, you know, 
that's what I like about this movie. And I know I kept saying um and uh a lot, but I'm sorry. I normally I would have seen like for a new movie I would have seen it a second time, but just how things are going in my life, I kind of have to record this, you know, after only seeing the movie once. You know, it's it's whatever. But yeah, now we're going to get into my dislikes and criticisms. Um, so this first point, it, it's really a minor one, but because it's not really bad per se, but the music, it's just, it's fine. I mean, they bring in, you know, some like, uh, like popular, you know, pop songs like, um, Don't Believe Me, Just Watch, you know, whatever. You know, Uptown Funk, you know, I like that song, so that was nice to see. And they also brought in, you know, Green Hell Zone, but that was used as a ringtone. But yeah, the movie soundtrack, it's the thing is, it's fine. It's nothing special. I guess the disappointing thing is, is that they didn't bring in. That's the one thing that they could have really brought more from the games and source material from. Um, I know in the last movie for Robotnik's theme, they actually referenced Robotnik's theme from Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. That was neat, but I thought that they could, you know, for this movie, they should have, you know, for the music, brought in more of the music elements from Sonic because Sonic, believe it or not, is known for having some banger musics, even in his more crappy games. Sonic has some good music. You know, and... Yeah, it's kind of like I would have loved to like. There's a moment in the movie where Robotnik put you know plays like a guitar thing, you know, with his Master Emerald powers, you know, low air guitar, and it plays rock music. The problem was it was just random, you know, rock music made for the movie, but it could have been like maybe a rock rendition of either. Robotnik scene from the first, you know, game, the da 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 or the Death Egg theme, you know, I don't remember that tune from my head, but you get what I mean, you know, there could have been more music references from the games, and it's kind of a bummer that they didn't take that route. Uh so yeah, that that's it for the music. Um my next point for the dislikes is that Robotnik was disloyal to Agent Stone. So one of the things I love in the first movie was Robotnik and Agent Stone's, you know, chemistry, their dynamic. Here though, <laughs> well Agent Stone, you know, appears, you know, in the movie and he is, you know, serves the plot and he appears like the thing is like He's in the first act pretty prominently, and he is in the second act, you know, not second, third act pretty, you know, prom, you know, somewhat prominently, you know, and also, by the way, Agent Stone is just as, he's a lovable henchman. He missed Robotnik so much. He missed the doctor. He was making latte art of the doctor's face from the first movie. It was, it was adorable. But <laughs> the problem was, as Knuckles and Robotnik were about to head to Siberia, Knuckles asked, um, 
hey, what about, you know, Agent Stone? And Robotnik says, let's ditch, let's diss him, or ditch him. And Knuckles mentions, disloyal. And Robotnik says, no, this is how I roll. <laughs> that That's kind of a cringe joke, but yeah, no, just the fact that it's like, no, don't, don't ditch Agent Stone. Bring him along. Agent Stone belongs in the movie. But yeah, I, I guess I wish we could have seen more of Agent Stone and Robotnik's dynamic that we've had in the first movie. Um, this next point, you know, I'm, I'm slowly getting into more, of, you know, bigger criticisms. This one, I felt like they made just, you know, one, two, a few too many pop, you know, culture references. I was going to say one too many, but it was like, uh, no, it was a bit, you know, too much. I mean, the thing was, like, with the pop culture references in the first movie, I didn't think they were too bad, you know, and it was mostly coming from Sonic, but here it was coming from Sonic and Robotnik, you know, and there's a lot of pulp pop culture humor you know where the joke was that they referenced something else and it's just that it felt like there was a bit too much of that however to the movie's credit knuckles calls it out you know see this is why knuckles is the best character in the movie because he's like stop telling your bad jokes this is <laughs> it, it was great so yeah, but I guess, you know, at the end of the day, it is a kid's movie and that is a nitpick, but it does, the thing is, it's just the problem with those, you know, too, if you have too many of those, it's just going to make the movie feel dated as time goes forward, and that's going to be a shame. Um, yeah, so anyway, onward to the next point. And next point is that there is one scene in Hawaii that really should have been cut. So yeah, you know, in the movie, you know, Tom and his wife, they are going to, you know, the, you know, wife's sister's wedding. Uh, Rachel, Rachel's wedding. Yeah. And by the way, Tom's wife is Maddie. I keep. I didn't really care, honestly, but yeah, Rachel, you know, is having this wedding in Hawaii with this guy named Randall, who turns out to be a, a gun agent, and the wedding was all uh, set up to capture Sonic. Yeah, it was... See, the thing is, it's like, it cut back to the Hawaii scenes a couple times, but it was like, alright... I guess they're doing, you know, a little B-plot with Tom, you know, and all that, you know, and there was some points where it's like, oh, it's important to for the movie's plot and all that. But there's a moment where Sonic and Tails are captured by Gunn, and so is Tom, so it's left with Maddie and Rachel. And that scene plays a bit too long. In fact, there's a particular scene where Rachel is the star of the show as she goes to confront Randall about the fake wedding you know was it all fake and the thing is it's like why are we focusing on a minor character from the first movie we don't care about Rachel 
you know, I, I think there's like that chunk, you know, where Rachel's talking to Randall about was this all fake, you know, but Randall's like, no, that I've broken the one rule that you're, you know, not supposed to break while undercover, which was falling in love. Some cliche stuff. But the fact is that like, it was played way too long and it's just like it slowed the movie down really bad and it really could have used some cutting. Like some like there's some moments in Hawaii where it's like, okay, it's important, but the important thing was to you know not even the breakout just the fact that it's like Maybe they should have, like, you know, Hawaii, established gun. Yeah, that's cool. But instead of, you know, gun capturing Sonic and then after the whole breaking Sonic out and all that and realizing, oh, now you believe us? You know, with the big, you know, green light going into the sky. They could have had the green light going into the sky, you know, when Sonic was, you know, when Sonic and Teal's first arrived and they were about to capture them, you know. And all that, you know. There's just that, you know, big moment where that's like they could have cut stuff out. They could have really cut that stuff out because the problem was it slows the movie down so much. You know, but on the bright side of that scene is that if you need to use the bathroom, well, you know the scene you're going to use the bathroom for <laughs> because you're not you're not really missing anything. It's kind of just, it doesn't amount to much by, you know, end of the movie. Anyway, uh, and here is my final dislike slash criticism of the movie. And this is where the asterisk from Tails comes in. Is that they did not spend enough time on Tails' you know, development and relationship with Sonic. Yeah, you know, the problem was with this movie, Tails felt like, there's a lot going on in this movie, granted, but still, the big thing is, you know, it's been advertised, you know, that Tails was coming. That was a big, you know, advertising point for this movie, that Tails was going to be in this movie. In fact, that was the setup from the last movie, with Tails showing up on Earth. That was the post credit scene. So, the fact that Tails kind of gets sidelined in the movie as, you know, just, you know, supporting character, instead of one of the more main characters was a shame, you know. I didn't. He probably his tails had like his action moments. I didn't feel like he had his big emotional moment like Sonic and Knuckles did. In fact, I felt that there was more development between Sonic and Knuckles' relationship than there was Sonic and Tails' relationship. That was probably the only disservice they did to Tails, you know. And yeah, Tails. You know, as much as I did praise that they did a good job with Tails, I felt that by the end of it, Tails got underdeveloped, and the re his relationship between him and Sonic was a bit rushed and underdeveloped. And that's a big disappointing, you know, fact, you know, for this movie. It's it's something that slightly brings the movie down for me, even as a Sonic fan. No, I shouldn't say even as a Sonic fan. I should say especially as a Sonic fan. Since Sonic 3 is confirmed, maybe hopefully, you know, they'll actually explore that element in the third movie. Here's hoping, you know. Oh, and the way they are going, you know, with these movies, it's very possible. Because, 
you know, if you haven't, if you couldn't tell, I actually like this movie more than the first. I like the first movie, but I really like this movie better. You know, okay, so it, it's weird. The thing is, it's like, I think this is a better Sonic movie than the first movie. I, you know, it's not like a drastic, oh, I really love this movie compared to the first movie. It's I'm not trying to say the first movie's bad because I still like the first movie, but I do think this is just a better movie. Not by a slight margin, not by a wide margin either, just in the right size margin. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, it's time for my overall thoughts. So yeah, overall, while the movie still could have been better, it is a it is running in the right direction and makes me feel hopeful that video, video blah blah I can't speak <laughs> but yeah it makes me feel hopeful that video game adaptations going forward will be handled in the same respect as both Sonic movies one and two was this was a very entertaining film and it definitely pleased the blah the Sonic fan that's in me. I can't believe I was tripping over my words during that. Uh, apologies, but yeah, that's that's gonna be it for this episode. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to press like and subscribe and leave a comment. Uh, this podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Podcast Addicts. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in. And I'll see you guys next week for some Resident Evil, but not 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 the games. Sadly, no. We're we're talking about the new movie, but yeah. Anyway, see you guys next time. Take care. <laughs>